Hello and welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus, and this is my very own podcast, which I started this year. Anyways, I'm so glad that you're here. And if you're not here, I hope you can join us at some point in time. Now, I want to just share a quick story that happened to me the other day, and same could be said potentially for every Shabbos morning, I woke up way earlier than my wife because I woke up when it was like still dark outside to take care of babies. Later on, my wife wakes up like a a human being, let's say maybe seven o'clock, and she says, hey, I slept more than you, you slept less than me, would you like to go take a nap? To which I responded, no thank you. I much prefer to hold on to my resentment that you are more rested than I am. And that to me is worth more than my 45 minute nap that I may take. That resentment is worth at least a four hour nap in pleasure. And so, no thank you, I appreciate the offer, but no, I'm gonna walk around with this for the rest of the day and make snide remarks here and there that I'm more fatigued than you are. Now, uh, wanted to share a situation where you're, you ever, I wonder if this ever happened to you. Your wife goes out to look at shaitals and you're at home and you quickly summon another nine men so you can have a minion, so you can say maybe the fault to Hillam, hoping that there's no shaitals for her in stock and there are supply chain issues uh, that she will not be able to buy a shaital even though Truthfully, it's, it is a very important thing. It does cover hair. Now, uh, a quick movie review on a movie that I watched on Netflix. The movie is called Where the Crawdads Sing. And as a married couple with children, I watched it on Netflix. It almost took me a full week to get through the whole thing just because I had to stay awake while I was watching it. So what I want to say is if you are experiencing a lot of anxiety and depression and you feel like now would be an opportune time to lean in and really experience those feelings of sadness, I highly recommend this movie because uh, if, again, you are almost hitting bottom of, of just melancholy and you really want to achieve, you know, reaching the top of that summit of Mount Colony, where the Crawdad sings a great movie. One of the reasons why it took us a few nights to watch it is I basically watched it. I cried out all my tears. Then my eyes were completely dry. And then had to wait another full day just for more liquid to go into my eyes. And then cried my eyes out a second night to watch the movie. And a few nights in a row, this had to happen. Even my pillow was crying during the the movie, which is an interesting experience to begin with. So now I want to talk to you about the strangers in Schultz situation. I'm curious if anybody has ever had a similar experience where you can be davening in a shul and there's somebody who davens like two tables away from you and you see the guy for seven years straight, but nobody has the time or the interest to introduce yourselves to each other. I mean, the guy looks like a neb. He looks boring. 
Doesn't look very interesting. Doesn't have any shiny little cute objects in this fill-in bag that I'm even curious about. And so we just completely ignore each other for years. I'll nod, he nods, say good job here and there. And this can go on for five, six years until one day you're in the grocery store and he's in line in front of you. And now you're forced to talk to each other. And it's like, hey, you're the guy in Shoal that I haven't said hi to for seven years just because you look like an idiot. And you clearly are not interested in me because you also didn't make the effort. But now we're stuck on this line together. Shalom Aleichem, what's your name? Oh, Maisha, Maisha, I'm Shmuel. So nice to, to meet you. And I'll continue nodding at you for the rest of our lives because even this little encounter that we had just validated the fact that you are boring and you are a neb. And I'm sure you feel the same way about me. So uh, as you know, I'm not an expert at Shalom Bias, but whatever... Uh, intelligence that I am able to conjure, I love to share with my, you know, my podcast, my listeners. And so here's something that's going to go over very well with your wife if you really want to make things go over well. The next time she tells you or your spouse tells you, and I want to take that back, this is not necessarily a wife telling a husband, could be this is a husband telling a wife. Next time your spouse tells you how exhausted they are, I want you to look them in the eyes and tell them, I am so exhausted about hearing how exhausted you are. And that's going to really go over well with them for the simple reason that it's called mirroring. You're using the same expressions. You are in sync what they're saying. They're saying they're exhausted. You're saying literally I've exhausted all the capacity to ever hear you complaining about this topic ever again. And so that's mirroring of a language. Uh, In breaking news today, I read that uh, a few companies, uh, crypto exchanges like Crypto.com, which is a legitimate company because obviously they have a stadium named after them. And uh, Binance is another, another big one. So their auditor that was making sure that they had proof of reserves just bailed on them and decided that they can't work with them anymore. And so this is, to me, yet another ringing endorsement about why crypto is such a safe investment and a no-brainer. Because the reason why an auditor would quit is because the proof of funds are clearly so obvious and easy to spot that the auditor feels, you know, they don't need an auditor. We'd be thieves if we would charge them for auditing something which is so obvious. So again, another strong bullish sign on the crypto economy. So uh, have you ever gotten to a fight with your spouse? And this time I'll say wife because a wife is my spouse. And that's her preferred noun, wife. And uh, preferred pronoun, actually, is wife. And uh, the fight, we one time got into a, f- a fight. This When I say one time, obviously, we've had more fights. But this one was a particular one, which haven't, hasn't repeated itself yet. But this was very big. We were on a road trip. And this was a, about a 45-minute fight where I was insisting on using Google Maps. But my wife was saying, no, we should use Waze. Because Waze, even though they're owned by Google 
has secret information that it doesn't share with Google internally. So there's shortcuts. And it was an eight-hour trip on the GPS, but I think Waze had it coming in at seven minutes earlier. And so for 45 minutes, we were clashing in the car. We don't anymore because, you know, we found out that the companies are owned by the same people and potentially maybe we'll both, we'll, we'll end up at the same location. But my point is the kids were in the car and it wasn't the most comfortable setting to get into a fight. However, there have been times we've gone out for a date and gotten into fights and that is a much more convenient thing to do. And the reason why couples would get into a fight when they go out for a date is because they're just hanging out together and they disagree on so many things, a great opportunity actually to get into a fight. So what I'm proposing is that it's getting harder and harder, I think, as a married person to have a good un uninterrupted fight with your spouse when the kids are awake. Ditto during the, the day, I have to work, my wife has to work. There's so many tasks and jobs. And so you start getting into a fight, but then people have to feed each other. Then kids have to be picked up from school. Babies are crying. It doesn't really give an opportunity to really fight it out. And so I'm proposing uh, this idea of called a date night, where it is a date and it's at night, but it, it's just for fighting. And the idea is that, again, you, you get to fight out of your system and it's uninterrupted like from kids. And instead of date night, it's date finite because it's fight night. And you go to a place potentially that has very bad acoustics. So not everybody has to hear what you're arguing about. You can go to a place where there are drinks and then you can have a solid uninterrupted, you know, two, three hour yelling at each other session which I think is very, very healthy for couples to want to communicate, uh, describe their emotions about one another, and ultimately bring them closer. Like, you need to take fighting seriously. If, if you're not going to dedicate time to fight properly, then it's just not sacred to you, and neither is your marriage. So this week I had the fantastic opportunity of going to the Jewish Comedy Festival here in Miami. It was called the Chosen Comedy Festival. I was actually had the tremendous opportunity to interview the organizer on my podcast about a month or two ago. So if you're curious how they ended up selling thousands of tickets, he was on the Shmuel Tendenhaus podcast, I'm just saying. And so I wanted to do a little of a review of my experience there. So first of all, I saw lots of Jews, from Jews. I saw my friends from Bell Harbor, and I saw people that I know from Shoal, a lot of yarmulkes in there. It was amazing. In fact, one of the people that I bumped into outside, it looked very familiar, was actually my drug dealer, uh, a from drug dealer, obviously. I want to keep it in-house. And if, if people are selling drugs, you obviously want to go to from family with kids. Even though now I had to switch uh, drug dealers, he's not my drug dealer anymore. He was my drug dealer. It was so nice to see a drug dealer out at a concert. He's not dealing drugs. He's just part of society. I don't even want anything from him. I've since moved on to another drug dealer who's also from, but he's just much more local, which 
you know, I'm wondering if these guys were going head to head selling drugs at the stadium, which they weren't, by the way. But if they were, they're both from, you know, I can see one guy saying to the other, hey, this is my corner. Halachically, Hasagas Kvul right now applies because, again, this is my area near the stadium which I have carved out for myself. In any case, I saw Nissan Black there, which obviously, to me, explains the whole Kanye hate is because clearly what's at the root of his anti-Semitism is the jealousy and the fear that he has from Nissan Black, who is a much more talented rapper, African-American and Jewish. And so while Kanye hasn't mentioned that, that's clearly what's going on. It's the Nissan Black envy. And I do think now is the time to mention that the way that I think the Jewish community ought to respond and the world ought to respond to Kanye's hatred is we need right now two of the Kardashian sisters to convert to Judaism. Uh, there's Chloe, Kim, Courtney. We'll take two out of three. And if they want to uh, change and add a middle name, so it's Chloe, Kim, Courtney, all with K's. The last name is Co- Kardashian. But if they want to add kosher in between, just as like a nickname, like Kim Kosher Kardashian or Chloe Kosher Kardashian, I think it would drive Kanye mad. And I also think it'd just be a, a nice thing for the Jewish community. I don't know if you're aware, but um, Marilyn Monroe, you can look this up. It used to be a website, The Smoking Gun. Maybe it still exists. But Mar- Marilyn Monroe did convert to Judaism. And it's conservative. I know some people are yelling it was a conservative uh, conversion. And I know, I believe, Jenna Jameson converted to Judaism so I think they're getting the Kardashians to be nice. Anyways, during the, during the comedy, there were singers also, like I mentioned. I was in a quandary because at some point in time, I was with a, another, with my cousins, a couple, and my wife got up to dance, and the couple got up to dance, so absolutely there was a party of four, and now three out of the four are dancing. I don't want to dance. I had a ticket. I have a chair. That's what I paid for a ticket for, so I have something to sit on. They were relinquishing that, and they were standing up, and so I had no choice but to join them. But being a good Jewish person with a lot of feelings, I turned to the people behind me and I apologized profusely for blocking their view. I also blamed it on my spouse because she wanted to dance. And I told them that as a courtesy, if they wanted to copy any of my moves of swinging my hands around, uh, they were totally able to do that. Before I mentioned... Uh, drugs. And drugs are a very serious thing, like meaning people should definitely take it seriously. Some people get them from from drugstores or pharmacies, sell drugs all over the place. And uh, I've, in the past on my podcast, I've spoken about uh, cannabis consumption and also bemoaned that in a recession with inflation, also raising kids, you know, my drug purchases and habits are very, very limited to the least expensive drug class that there is, which would be, again, cannabis. But I do have friends who listen to the podcast and are also wealthier than me and have more disposable income, and they're way beyond marijuana. They're doing uh, shrooms and 
there. One of them told me he did recently an ayahuasca uh, thing for, for a trip for a couple of nights and days. This is next level stuff. So anyways, two of my friends who are also relatives pledged, they said that they would sponsor a mushroom trip for me. Again, I don't know if I could trade it for ayahuasca, which is a next level, but their sponsorship said, hey, we will pay for you to go on a mushroom trip for, you know, it's a day thing that you schedule with a guide and a mentor. Now, I've been on the fence whether or not I should take them up on the offer and maybe potentially come back on the podcast if I ever make it back and share my experiences with you. But I do have a little halachic hurdle that I have to get over if I do want to do this mushroom experience. And that is before going and, you know, jumping on this opportunity for a mushroom trip, halachically, is it necessary for me to say tefillah saderech beforehand? And then the other thing is that depending on how long the trip lasts, you know, do I have to say v'sach sereni l'shalom if, the, if it's only a one-day trip? Like if it's the same day, like it's six hours and then I start coming down from that trip, then potentially, again, you have to say v'sach sereni l'shalom. So there's a lot up in the air right here. And I'm very, you know, cautious to do things according to halachic way. By the way, uh, two pieces of feedback from my show that I did last week. First of all, uh, a very close friend of mine uh, gave me feedback on last week's show, and it was, this is what he texted me. Eh. E-H. Eh. So, which, again, I love my friends, and I appreciate my friends, that even if it's, Eh, they, they will still listen. And then another astute listener who's actually a very talented person in general, but musically, amongst other things, shared a screenshot that a down blanket or a down comforter is made from goose feathers. And so I apologize. I apologize to Pita. I apologize to geese. I apologize to duck. I apologize to sheep and to any other species who may have been offended by the faux pas from last week's show. And now I want to do a quick ad read. Thank you to our sponsors. Are you addicted to nicotine vaping? Do you find yourself running from smoke shop to smoke shop to re-up? Do you try and discreetly vape in shul? In between vape hits, do you have a backup vape that you sneak a couple of more in between using your full-time vape? Have you named any of your children after your favorite vape flavors? Hey, strawberry banana, time for dinner. Introducing. Vape Airlines. Now there's no need to hide your vape in the laboratories and get a very dirty look from the flight attendants. Nor do you have to vape inside of your shirt and hope that nobody can see what's going on. You are free to make clouds in the clouds. So 
Visit, please, vapeairlines.com forward slash the Schmall Tenant House Podcast, and you will get one free carry-on bag that you can take on board during your next travel with Vape Airlines. By the way, you have to be 18 years old or older to fly in Vape Airlines. This is, uh, they have it here in the uh, clear, in the in the fine print here. So I just have to call that out. Okay, so next, uh, talking about childhood, there is a childhood pastime that I miss. I wanna put that out there, some nostalgia from fr- some Friday n- nostalgia, and that is doing your homework, your Hebrew homework, with the help of askmoses.com. There was this great thing that you would come home with Hebrew homework and you'd basically go online, some shliach, furiously trying to make eight or $9 an hour doing shlichas and then all the from kids going there and asking him questions for homework while he's trying to be uh, educating everybody else. So yes, I would go there and say, hey, you know, I'm contemplating whether or not I should stay religious or maybe not be religious anymore, but if you want me to stay religious, I'm going to need you to write me a synopsis in Parshas Vayechi, you know, please, and address it to my teacher. And the Shliach and myself are both on dial-up connections, but again, it was so great knowing that no matter how much I would struggle or anybody would struggle in Judaic studies, they would just go to ask Moses. Now it doesn't exist anymore, and that's why I'm lamenting. Another childhood pastime to lament over and, and that is uh, Bisley. So back in the day, $1 you can buy, you can use two of those quarters to buy a soda, and then the other two quarters could be used to get a Bisley. Back then it was called a super snack because it was really super for 50 cents. These days now, the tide has shifted, it's much more called Bisley. So what I really uh, reminisce and, and hearken, if that makes any sense, is that back in the day, eating a super snack was a spontaneous act. It's like, hey, I think I don't have anything to do right now. I am going to eat a super snack. I'm going to get all the little bits and pieces from the corner of the bag too, and it's going to be epic. And if they're onion rings, I'm going to put one on each finger. On each finger, you know how the drill goes. Today, with inflation, you know, a bisley can be two, three bucks. It's no more a spontaneous thing. I have to sit down with a calculator and say, okay, here's a spreadsheet. Let's look in. What are the inputs? What are the outputs? Can we afford this, you know, spontaneous, non-spontaneous snack right now? The other day, I caught my kid in the kitchen eating a bisley. And I said, hey, put that down. That's for your bar mitzvah. You should not be eating that right now. So we don't have that situation anymore. And I think we should be constantly monitoring the price of a bag of Bisley for bisflation because it's something that I remember from childhood and we all do, and it continues to go up. Want to gloat a little bit of the fact that I am, my podcast, the Schmoll 10 House podcast, is trending in Switzerland. I am number 135 on the comedy charts. Now, mind you, there's only 50 comedy podcasts in Switzerland. So how I'm down at 135 amongst comedy, I don't know, but I'm very excited. Now, when I shared this with my more successful cousin, much more successful podcasting cousin, Hanala, she says, 
ha, I've been number one in Judaism podcasts in Germany. So two things. Number one, the Germans and Germany was not a good country for the Jews. So I'm much happier to be trending in Switzerland than Germany. Now, do you ever have a lot of money you don't want it to go or to get discovered by the government here and you hide it in a German bank account? Absolutely not. No such thing. But people will put their money in Swiss bank accounts. So yes, another reason why I prefer trending in Switzerland than in Germany. Now, I want to share a little bit of pet peeve, and that is when you've decided and you've opted out from the beginning from a family chat, and that is because you have zero interest in anybody else's lives or pictures they want to share or updates or videos. You know, if anything, you just want to share your stuff with them, but you don't want anybody to share their stuff with you. So I opted out of the family chat, multiple family chats, because multiple, my wife's family, my, my, my own nuclear family. And uh, every once in a while, a very concerned sibling or family member will be like, hey, you're missing all this drama in the family chat. Here's what's going on. And what's really going on is the whole reason why I'm not on the family chat is because I do not want to know about the drama going on. So when you say, hey, you're missing all this drama on the family chat because this and this and this is what's happening, that's exactly why I left the family chat. So I don't have to deal with all that drama and trauma going on there. But I really appreciate it. Now, I'm not opposed to the fact of family staying in touch, but I do think for me it would be a much simpler version of alive or dead. Is everybody alive? Great. Is anybody dead? Okay, we're, we're gonna come deal with it. But when you start getting to pictures and feelings, what's going on, too much for me to handle. And so, uh, I want to conclude with uh, talking a little bit about uh, winter break, because winter break is coming up here after Hanukkah. And the point of winter breaks that schools do now, the Jewish schools, is just when, you know, the idea is that just when you're starting to get your routine together from after Sukkot, like you're starting to feel a little stability to the point where you're so comfortable that you can now complain to the school about issues that the school has because you forget to be you know, you, you're not so grateful anymore to the school because they've been there for two months. And so now the school has to deal with your complaining. The school comes back and, and says, you know what? We're just going to take a break for a week and a half. Have a great time on your own. Let's see how well you do. Very little subtle messaging on behalf of the school. Also, another reason for a winter break is for families who are just on the edge of insolvency. They're, you know, one bill away from going completely broke. The school says, hey guys, this is a great time right now to kill that equilibrium. We want you to feel compelled socially to fly somewhere exotic, post about it on your social. Uh, we want flights, restaurants, uh, and everything else that goes into a vacation. Also, there's a very big need of, you know, parsing through the haves and the have-nots because you can't really tell while school is going on. Everybody's with a uniform. 
you know, what, what, is a, what is a rich family going to send the kids to school with, with caviar? So it's a great opportunity, again, to really highlight the haves and haves not winter break, where the haves are going skiing in Aspen and some other exotic location. They're flying, you know, to Israel and going around some places. They're going to Machu Picchu. And then you have the families who are broke, Kanainahara, with lots of kids. So what they're doing is, you know, they're going on, you know, during that week and a half, they can go on Google Maps. And Google Maps now has street views, so it could be more realistic. Also, if they're friendly with a family that is going to Israel, they can do a request and say, hey, can you guys go live while you're there? And we can gather the family and we can all see what you're doing. And finally, also, there's a company now doing Zoom vacations. So your family, they'll just wake you up. They'll give you an itinerary you're doing in your house. But you can do a Zoom vacation with the family that could afford to be on vacation. But you're not on vacation. But you, again, it's remote vacation. And uh, which leads me into my final point here is that with Hanukkah coming up next week, there are some families that are just so generous. They will send like a gift to teachers, like a box of chocolate or a bottle of wine. Like it could be an older bottle, like a 2019 reserve or 2020. And what I want to call out is that teachers make very, very little money, not enough money to clearly live off of. And so if you're going to send them something, may I suggest cash, money, or a check, or Zelle. And that way, you know, they won't just get a bottle, uh, a bottle of wine that they're just going to drink and be like, hey, maybe I'll drink this bottle and figure out how we're going to cover our bills. No, you'll send them actual something that is helpful. Like you tip a learning teacher or a counselor in camp, and that's for one month. And that guy's barely spending any time with your kids. Now, how much should you send to your teacher or your children's teachers? Very simple. If And so here's a little uh, cheat sheet. If you are going skiing for winter break, $1,000 a teacher because you're going skiing. If you're going down a mountain, that's a very uh, aristocratic sport, and uh, you can afford $1,000 a teacher. How many teachers do your kids have? Now, if you're going to Israel, I would say between $500 and $700. And if you're staying local and doing a staycation, you can get them maybe some scratch-off tickets for Hanukkah. I love you all. We'll see you back here in about a week or so. You know, give or take, maybe a week, a little longer, a week and a half, two weeks, a week, who knows? Have a good one. Peace and love.